From the darkest reaches of space to the deepest corners of your mind. Your mind. Welcome to From the Void. I grew up a massive fan of the TV show The X-Files. I know, I know, that dates me, but I don't care. The show is amazing, and I still go back and watch it. For those of you who are familiar with that show, one of the two main characters is an FBI agent named Fox Mulder. Growing up, I wanted to be Fox Mulder. However, no one told me they don't actually have a section of the FBI that solely investigates the paranormal. So what do you do if you're a real-life FBI agent interested in things like ghosts and UFOs? Well, you leave your job at the FBI and you follow your dreams. This week's guest did that very thing. The incredibly kind and generous Ben Hansen left his job at the FBI to investigate the strange and unusual. You may have seen him on shows like Ghost Hunters, Factor Faked Paranormal Files, UFOs Declassified, UFO Witness, Expedition Bigfoot, Roswell, The Final Verdict, Alien Encounters Declassified, and more. So welcome to this week's mystery, Ben Hansen, UFO Witness, on From the Void. All right, welcome to the podcast. This week, I'm very excited to have one of my favorite uh, TV personalities, Ben Hansen. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, so uh, like I said, we were talking before we started recording. Uh, I started following your career, I think, around the time of uh, Fact or Faked, and uh, have consequently uh, continued to watch uh, some of the shows you've come out with some recently. Uh, obviously, uh, UFO Witness uh, was outstanding, and then Roswell, The Final Verdict. So uh, tell me a little bit about your, your background. You have a, a, a background that includes uh, working for the FBI. So what got you interested in the paranormal field? Um, well, the, the paranormal, and in, in that I would say, you know, you've got UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot. It used to mean everything and then people started you know kind of subdividing it and paranormal was just ghosts and anyways the whole mystery genre i was into ever since i was like five years old and really started reading books when i was eight um about 14 years old you know i kind of set it aside but then it kind of entered my life again in college and and started doing uh, ghost investigating and um <laughs> showing up at these UFO conferences and things. And um, so the, uh, you know, when I went into investigating child sex crimes and my, my degree with criminology and all that, it's not like I gave it up, but you can't officially be parts of groups and stuff while you're working for the government. Um, for obvious reasons, you know, it, it's a point of, uh, I guess, ridicule. <laughs> mm. A lot of people, like when you're testifying in court, like, well, don't you belong to this group too? And like, so then they try to shoot your credibility down, which is ridiculous. So um, anyways, when I stopped working for the government, um, the, the TV shows and things have really allowed me an opportunity to do this full time. And um, the UFO subject is something probably that I'm, I'm I'd say most passionate about that I know most about, although I've, I've 
done everything from investigating mermaids, you know, to, to basically leprechauns and, and uh, you know, time travel and everything else. That's, that's fascinating. It's interesting that you mentioned that because you're, you're right, you know, for a long time, for decades, really, uh, as soon as you mention even the, the, uh, the, the term UFO, you know, it, it elicits giggles. And I mean, we saw that press conference recently where mm-hmm. a reporter was asking uh, Jim Psaki, you know, about, you know, is the government going to start to release documentation on you know what we know about UFOs and couldn't get through the entire question without giggling. And so it, it has been a point of ridicule. So uh, it, it's interesting that, that you say that. So when you started investigating, uh, did, did you have a personal experience that really kind of uh, got you interested in it or really kicked it off? No, um, I was kind of backwards. I know some people have an experience and then they go look for answers. I sort of had, you know, questions and then I had my experiences. So uh, I, I didn't even learn late until later that my grandfather was kind of entwined in this with I've talked about you know his his work a lot. He he used to work at, um, and you're you're up in uh, generally in Ohio, right? Yes. Yep. Central Ohio. Yep. Yeah. So he had temporary duty assignments with the Air Force at um, Wright Patterson Air Force Base. So, <laughs> excuse me. So a lot of people who who kind of know the UFO subject know that um, Wright Patterson was and is what what was at the time the foreign technology division and before that it was um uh there were different you know names for it but roswell in that crash in 47 we know we can show that a lot of that debris what flight it went on where it stopped and where it ended up at wright patterson and uh so here's my grandfather working in the mid 60s and he uh had a, a, an assignment which he wouldn't tell us exactly what it was but he would leave at a moment's notice and had to just go and he couldn't tell my dad when he'd be back and he was working underground right patterson still today denies they have a an underground complex it's it's it, it is a very big complex underground i don't know why they deny this but a lot of this was taking place underground so at any rate um i learned through my dad years later that grandpa was involved in this and that he possibly might have known a lot of what was going on. And that family connection really got me interested, uh, even more so than I already was. But um, I did have a couple sightings and I had one with my dad. I've had one with my wife. I feel pretty lucky that I've seen the things I have. And I don't know if that's common or if I'm just more inclined to look at the sky and to see that something's unusual where a lot of people wouldn't see it. Yeah. So talk a little bit about, you know, your training, obviously within the FBI, you know, obviously that, that seems to come in handy, you know, when you're out investigating on these, on these TV shows. And one of the things I've always appreciated about, about your work is the fact that, you know, you don't just immediately jump to UFO or aliens, you know, you, you, you know, you look at it from, through a skeptical lens and, uh, you know, especially with Factor Faked, you know, one of the things you guys did was try to debunk some of it or see at least if you could kind of uh, recreate the phenomenon. So talk a little bit about, you know, what, what kind of uh, things you learned along the way in your career that kind of lent themselves to, to uh, you know, these types of investigations. Yeah, I think people are fooling themselves if they don't accept the fact that, that 
nearly, and I'd say like with UFOs is about 95% at least, nearly all these things are explainable. Uh, a lot of people don't know that they're looking at Chinese lanterns. They don't know what military flares look like. You know, and so it's not necessarily, there is a percentage that hoax things, but most people just don't know what they're looking at. And and so um, we're fooling ourselves if we just jump to the conclusion that it's all extraterrestrial. The other small percentage, we we do try to replicate videos and things, you know, to eliminate so that what's left is the real gold, right? When it, it it's completely unexplainable. And I don't know why some people aren't even interested in that they really truly jump into the pool of what people say are believers and i'm like well just because you have a belief in something it it makes it more of a probability percentage not that everything from there on out has to be true (laughs) you know so i tell people don't disbelieve it because you haven't heard it before but don't believe everything you hear either um so that's kind of where i stand you know and and um my training from my my previous you know careers i didn't do any of this stuff obviously it had nothing to do with this but i did talk to a lot of people thousands of people of of victims and perpetrators of really horrible stuff and if anything i think it kind of gives me an insight to be able to get information make people feel comfortable um, and then also deception detection is an interesting hobby of mine. I like to know if people are telling me the truth. And there's a, a number of different ways that we can do that. Well, that's that's the perfect segue, Ben. Good job. <laughs> I want to <laughs> talk about, because um, one of the things uh, in terms of uh, deception detection that I thought was absolutely fascinating was this recent show that you did called Roswell, The Final Verdict. And for one thing, number one, there was an astounding number of uh, potential firsthand witnesses that were interviewed at some point or another uh, on camera, uh, more than I thought, you know, that that we had, honestly. And then the part of the show, though, was using some sort of analytical software that kind of helped determine whether or not they were being truthful. Um, That was absolutely fascinating. So what was kind of your, talk about that a little bit, first of all, and then talk about kind of your takeaway from uh, kind of analyzing all of those different interviews um, when it comes to really the granddaddy of all UFO cases. Yeah, and it is. Uh, Roz was the iconic, you know, uh, most well-known case, probably the most well-documented. And um, this company, I think, did a really good job. The production company was a UK company that I think did a really good job putting us together. I was kind of invited later in the process after they'd filmed a lot of this and they, they presented it to me and said, hey, are you interested in this concept? And I said, well, look, I love Roswell. I've been there several times. I'm still actively helping research the area. But what new leads do you have? Because the problem is this happened nearly, what, 74 years ago. And um, nearly all, I I can't even tell you one witness I know of, a primary witness that's still alive. And um, so if these people aren't alive anymore, and you don't have them to sit them down in, let's say, a chair to do a polygraph exam, then how can you, what other technologies can we use? And they're like, listen to this, right? (laughs) They tell me (laughs) that they got in touch with... um, Dartmouth College and University of Maryland, they developed a AI, artificial intelligence program called uh, DARE. And uh, DARE 
basically uses four modalities, and, and I, I geek out about this stuff, but it looks at micro-expressions of the face, which was developed by Paul Ekman, who was um, the, the consultant Lie to Me, that TV show. Yeah. That's all based, based on his research, where you look at little inflections of the face that happen in microseconds. So this program is very good at detecting these things, which have been associated to uh, stress and deception. It looks at those. It also looks at the tonality and stress in the voice. And then also the content of what they're saying. Then a human interprets this and and puts it all together with the numbers. And they found in the studies that it's up to 92% accurate. 92%. So you take the polygraph on its best days is like 95% according to the white paper studies. Uh, And I said, okay, you got me sold. Like we have something here that's academic. It's not some app on your phone. (laughs) Right. There's... There, there are scientists behind this who have developed it, and the government's using it as contract for contractors now. So um, when you put that these videos through this algorithm, you get a really high probability. It's not perfect, but a real high probability that, let's say you have, for example, did you see uh, a body that was non-human? Did you recover debris that folded up in your hand and and you know had a memory metal did you see this did you see that when you have four five six seven people saying the same thing and that the 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 ai software is saying that they're telling the truth that's huge that's really big and so that's what i loved about the program and um, it also is a great introduction for people who only know roswell just because they've heard about it through pop culture and I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to do what a lot of people don't do anymore is pick up a book and you got to read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you don't have time to do that, watch this series because it's a really good compilation of the whole story of Roswell. Yeah, it does a really thorough job of, of kind of telling the story behind uh, what happened. There were some some details and some nuance to it that I, I wasn't even aware of. And I've been, you know, reading this stuff, you know, since I was a kid. Uh, so... Was there any part of that show or any part of the the interviews that were analyzed that really kind of uh, surprised you, I guess? Um, Yeah, I I think there was. Um, There was uh, a couple things. Okay, let's take like this um, Glenn Dennis. So he's a mortician, and his story was that uh, he's also the ambulance driver in town. And he gets this call from the airbase, and they say to him, hey, um, they start asking weird questions like, do you have any child-sized hermetically sealed caskets? How many do you think you can get? He's like, why are you asking this? What about if a body's been you know, exposed to the elements for a long time? What's the best way to preserve it? And so he's like, well, this is kind of odd. And then he happens to be taking what he says an airman in the ambulance, taking them to the hospital they're on base. And he stumbles upon the scene where there's a lot going on in, in the hangar and they're collecting debris, which he sees in the back of two ambulances and um, catches a nurse on the way out of one of these double doors. Who's like, get out of here. You got to get out of here. And she's holding a handkerchief over her mouth. He meets up with the nurse later and she draws a picture of the autopsy. Okay, that they're performing. So this is his story. The AI 
um, confirms that he was telling the truth about the phone call from the base, about the caskets, that he was on base, but it shows that he's probably being deceptive about why he was there. Hmm. And so some people take a testimony like that and throw the whole thing out and say, okay, well, he's lying then, right? The whole thing isn't true, but, but people have a number of reasons why they, they lie. Now, I wish every witness was told up, up, up front and straightforward about it, but the theory here is that he knew this nurse. He already knew her. He was having some sort of maybe an affair with her. And, and that's why he indicated deception on those parts. Um, but as to the rest of it, it, it gels with what other people were saying. So th- that's kind of one of the surprises. Interesting. Yeah. And it seems like the overwhelming majority of people who, uh, you know, were interviewed uh, about different facets of this case uh, were deemed to be truthful, which lends you, you know, lends to the fact that like this probably did happen. Like there was some sort of craft. It was not you know, some sort of balloon or, you know, uh, government experiment, like this was an actual recovered craft. Well, anybody who doesn't even see the series, right, or anything that was laid out with the AI, you you have to look by definition, Roswell is a conspiracy. It is. Because officially, the Air Force gives four different explanations, four, um, you know, you could count even five different explanations of what it was. They immediately release, and this doesn't just come by some, you know, arbitrary, whimsical, hey, just go tell the public we captured a flying disc. You think that they're just going to go say that unless it comes from higher ups who, who, you know, think and deliberate and they're like, finally, it appears in the newspaper, the, the uh, Army Air Force has captured a flying disc. Within hours, it's recanted. Okay, and then it becomes a weather balloon. And we have witnesses saying they, they were there when they put the weather balloon debris and told they had to say the story. And then years later, you know, the mogul weather balloon thing comes out. That, and, and then another thing about crash test dummy. So they've changed their story so many times. You have to ask yourself if this simply was a government experiment or some weather balloon of some sort, why the death threats? Why the changing of the story so many times? And there's something bigger at play, and, and that everyone has to agree upon, right? And then we go from there, and it's like, what was it? Well, hey, if you're interested to look at the evidence, we have dozens and dozens of people who say that it was not from this world. What, what's interesting about that, too, is is a lot of the skeptics now, especially as, you know, obviously part of the reason you're busy right now is because the UFO phenomenon has taken to the front page. I mean, the uh, New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, I believe Politico as well, uh, published articles, you know, uh, confirming that the Navy said, yeah, there are these objects in the sky that can outmaneuver us and we don't know what they are. And so suddenly it's kind of hit the mainstream and people who maybe wouldn't have taken it seriously before are starting to take it seriously now. Uh, but skeptics are still saying, hey, like, wait a minute, like this, this could very well just be the government yet again lying to us, but using UFOs as a way to cover up uh, perhaps the testing of some uh, new technology. Um, what are what are your thoughts on that? Like, obviously, you've been doing a ton of researching and, and a ton of investigating. Um, what what you know is there is there some element of truth there? Do you think, or or do you think we're really seeing something from another world? Um, yeah, I think there is an element of truth there, and I'll say I'll tell you why. 
Um, first of all, the skeptic, the hard skeptics will, they were silent when the, the government came out with this. They were like, oh, okay, so now we have to admit the phenomenon's going on. Okay, great. So we'll admit it. But then, like you said, they went to the next step. And now they're trying to, a lot of them, explain it all away as, as simply government experiments. And I'll tell you why that's partly true, partly not. Uh, so really quick, if, if people are familiar with the Tic Tac video, the Navy video, um, you had jets that were scrambled. You had career uh, military officers, very trustworthy people. You had radar operators. You have all these people, okay? It's not just visually seeing it. It's not just having the, the camera footage. It's the radar footage, the radar data, where um, these things were traveling from 70, I think 5,000 miles altitude and going down to the seafloor in less than a second. They would disappear in one place and reappear 60 miles away on radar. They would turn on a dime. They would hover. They would... So the capabilities of the G-forces, I think they estimated up to 700 or so G-forces, okay, to do this stuff. If you want to believe that that's Russia and or North Korea or China, and that is your, your belief that they are so far advanced of us to be able to do this, then you're in a very scary world. I mean, <laughs> I, I hope that it's, it's, you know, not them. Because we are so far behind if that's the case. So in those types of incidents and videos, I absolutely think it's a horrible case to try and say that that's one of, um, one of our adversaries or ours. We simply do not have that technology or grasp on it. Now, on the other hand, last year, and I believe in 2019, we had a swarm of drone sightings. It happened in Colorado, Nebraska. Um, we were getting them off the coast of the Pacific again, the USS Russell. Some of these videos coming out show objects that are not showing non-conventional maneuvering. They're not hovering and stopping and stopping, but they are staying in the air for hours. And they're not able to track them. The drone, anti-drones technology isn't being able to take them down. They don't know where they're coming from. They sort of, you know, disappear on radar. I do think it's possible that some of this is terrestrial mm. and, and that it could be um, aeronautic uh, companies testing out new things against ourselves or, or adversaries doing it to us to see what they can get away with. It's not out of the realm of like a terrestrial thing to say, yeah, we got stuff that's up for hours now and keeps up with a ship and then it can take off and you can't find it. Right. So there's your answer. I think that's it, conflating the two things. And we, we, we label them all as UAPs, where people want to categorize it and dismiss it because they'll, they'll take an example of the drones, they're calling them, say, see, this could be this and this could be that, and therefore the whole thing is explained. Like, uh-uh-uh, go back to the Tic Tac videos, go back to what they're saying about these things. They could be totally different stuff that's going on, but we kind of put them all in the same box. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I know we're running short on time. So before I let you go, uh, tell people a little bit about where they can keep up on top of uh, what you're up to and, and what are you working on next? Yeah. So um, most of everything I announce through my social media, you know, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and easily found um, my website's benhansen.com and it's H-A-N-S-E-N. So I post things on there too. Um, nearly everything that I'm creating right now is... Um, 
have a really good relationship with uh, Discovery Plus and the Travel Channel because I really love that this network is embracing this and seeing that it's important that people want to know. So we have a lot of UFO content, especially UFO stuff coming out. And like you've mentioned, the Roswell series is up on Discovery Plus. Um, uh, Alien Invasion Hudson Valley, you know, was put up there. Uh, I believe it was just about a, two weeks ago. And then we have a new one. I think it's September 6th. And um, it's it's uh, called Alien Encounters Declassified. It's the 6th or the 7th. So that's cool. the next thing that'll be up there. And then the secret things I can't talk about yet are uh, will be announced when they're ready to be. <laughs> I've had a lot of UFO good stuff happening. Beautiful. Well, well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I, I, like I said, huge fan. We'll continue to follow your career. Uh, encourage everyone to go check out all the programs that uh, are already out. Uh, but thanks again for coming on, Ben. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, John, for having me. My job isn't to convince you that UFOs are real or that aliens are real. But when you have someone credible, like a former FBI agent with access to newly declassified government documents on the topic, it stretches your reality just a little bit. As the public pushes for the release of more and more documents, hopefully we'll continue to get more answers that explain just what it is we're seeing in the skies. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, help us get noticed by leaving a five-star review on iTunes and spreading the word. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a future episode of the show. We'll be back very soon with a brand new season. So until then, stay safe, stay vigilant, and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to From the Void. <laughs>